Brilliant. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, could you start off with who you are and what do you do? So, my name's Nikki Lyle. I am a creative recruiter with over eight years' experience now in specifically graphic design. Um, I also work like copywriter roles, art worker roles, etc. I set up Nikki Lyle Creative um, just under two years ago. And I'm also uh, president judge of this year's DNAD side hustle category. So yeah, quite active in the industry. Yeah, it sounds it, sounds it. Uh, so with, with DNAD, um, for people who don't know, can you, can you explain what it is? Yeah, so DNAD, it just awards excellence in the industry in regards to pencils. Yeah. So you want one of the coveted DNAD pencils. It's kind of like a massive industry thumbs up. Um, you've got the two categories, which is the uh, more senior professional awards, which um, more senior established creators enter into or agencies enter into. And then you've got the new blood awards as well for all the grad talent. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think our co-host is one of our co-hosts is uh, Yakub Mir, and he's, uh, he's he's it's like his dream to get the black pencil. Is that the top one? Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's like the ultimate. Right. Yeah, the black pencil. Is that so? Is that the agency one, or is that for the for the grads? Uh, mainly, it's something that agencies will win. To be honest with you, I think I may have known of one grad, a copy grad last year that won it. Special guy then, special woman. Who was it? Oh, this is where I feel bad. <laughs> back of my head. I, I, feel, I feel like COVID's given me a bit more brain fog than usual. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my memory isn't as sharp as it was before all of this. Ah, it's always fine. Um, but yeah, that's like the top thing. I remember, because um, I didn't go to university, so I, I didn't really get that experience of um, going to the uh, New Blood Festival in London, which I've I've been there and seen people's work, but I've never been on the other side of it as in presenting it or, or presenting my work or, or like trying to show off and get hired. Uh, but how, how does it, uh, how, how is it from that side of it and sort of being behind the scenes in DNAD? Yeah, I love it. I've been a judge twice now, um, always for the side hustle category. I've been a mentor for side hustle winners and um, every single pencil there's a certain bar of excellence that everything has to reach to even be considered for a pencil and we have to make sure we uphold that if all the work that's submitted doesn't quite qualify in quality for a pencil we just won't award it so and it's it's that strict what's this level yeah but that's what part that's a part of what makes it so special and industry respected because everybody knows it's that strict Definitely. Yeah. What, what is the level? Or is there like a, a thing you could you could tell everyone that hasn't quite submitted their work yet of what the, the basics they have to hit? I think the main criteria we look for when we're judging is just looking at a project and thinking, oh, God, I wish I'd done that. Right. Yeah. It was me. I wish I'd come up with that idea or executed it in that way. And it's the work that makes you kick yourself. And that's actually the best way I can describe what we look for and then anything that, that goes above and beyond with the different level pencils it's like oh my goodness how did this person create something so brilliant and then that's awarded the higher kind of accolade nice yeah I, I always wanted one but I never thought because obviously coming out of you do you have to go for university to get a pencil can you do it at that sort of age not at all okay well so um they have all sorts of 
access programs at DNAD where they've got like evening schools and all sorts of courses that you can get involved in where they're very aware that obviously the design industry um, there's a lot of privilege and there's a lot of people that are from you know almost middle class backgrounds that go into design and go to uni and all the rest of it which um, means that the work itself isn't as strong as it could be because we need a diverse range of voices producing all these different projects as well and um, so that's one of the issues in our industry and um, I'm a big advocate for for change as well it's in my manifesto when I created Nikki Dahl Creative about helping underrepresented groups navigate an industry that can sometimes be a challenge and that's what I try and do as a recruiter you know I've got, I've got my ear to the ground I try and inform everybody I try and educate clients and um yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's coming on to recruitment and stuff. Because I, I got hired uh, from my job for, through an recruitment agency, and they were they're called Creative Recruitment. Fair enough. Uh, so they, so they did that, they did the design stuff, they did the creative stuff, um, and it's great. Uh, you know, chatting with them, and, and they understand our situation, design situation, or sort of the dream jobs, or, or what sort of si um, what the level, the level you have to be at to get a job in, in the industry. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll start with that stuff. Um, the, the sort of what, what do you need with the guides and <laughs> recruitment already i jumped the gun did you speak to kira yeah. at um creative recruitment they're a good agency ah uh no not kira uh, i think it was rebecca yeah i don't know rebecca. Ah, uh, they're, they're fantastic so you know them do you i know of other recruiters in the industry rivals i don't see it as rivals <laughs> Um, I think it's healthy to have competition in a good way. I genuinely like to hear when recruiters are doing a good job and a good service. Mm. It's the ones that aren't that give us all a bad name. And um, I think, you know, that's why when I set up Nikki Dahl Creative and said it was manifesto based, it's more about like creative recruitment conscience. It's about being if I put you in a job, then I want to make sure you're happy and that you're going to stay. Because mm. what happens otherwise is I find you a role somewhere and then you leave and then the client's paid a fee and they're really cross with me because mm. you've left. You're unhappy with me because I put you somewhere that you didn't want to be. So it's really important that we get that right. Well, what's the, like, uh, the average time you'd expect someone to stay in a job? say 2020 I know it's a bit strange climate now but yeah you should aim to stay in a role for at least two to three years really um depending on how much you enjoy it if you stay somewhere too long though um and I've seen this happen a lot over the years you can sometimes um you're not developing different skills yeah and sometimes if you work at one particular agency that works in one particular way with one set of software skills you don't move with the industry and then you become stuck somewhere and then that agency might make redundancies for whatever reason yeah. and you're a bit stuck because I've come across people that were great that have spent 14 years somewhere but then the technology has advanced so much in that time in different in and then they just struggle to find jobs elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. There's more, even more, uh, even more so when studios and design uh, agencies had, I don't know, CS4. I mean, they just didn't upgrade it. So they just, they just yeah. whenever our studios had Creative Cloud, 
Uh, I remember being when I was hosting internships was like that. It was great uh, because I didn't upgrade the um, software. There was a couple of couple of times where we were behind when I moved on to my design school went to Shillington. Um, so I guess that's that's like another way around it as well. You can go to things like Shillington or night schools or, or stuff like that. But um, but yeah, so sorry, I jump around quite a bit. I just realised. No worries. <laughs> um, I'm jumping. We're both jumping. It's fine. See, <laughs> see, so, so yeah, uh, we're getting hired um, by by creative recruitment um, agency or yourself or uh, being put forward by someone. What what are a few things that you look out for when when trying to find uh, maybe a student or a young creative to put forward for a role? So. If this is uh, younger creative talent, um, it's all about uh, attitude. What people want from juniors is someone that wants to learn, that's hungry to learn, that has high energy, um, that will inject that into the agency. And, you know, junior talent is the lifeblood of every agency. And it's a real shame this year that um, interns aren't being taken on as much because design studios etc are going to struggle from it and um, I was all also thinking about running a couple of events showcasing exceptional junior talent because I've been running some talks called industry leaders with established creatives but actually the more senior creators are very interested in okay what's this new technology what are the juniors using you know TikTok you know far beyond TikTok <laughs> or like that but, you know, the seniors creators have got a lot to learn from junior talent and that's what they want. Like I, I run a talk with James from Design Studio and when I asked him this question, he said, I want someone that's going to teach me something. But mm. teach me about, you know, as I said, like technologies or ways people are thinking and and all the rest of it that is completely different. Yeah, that, that must be quite uh quite interesting these days especially when you, you know, say you've got things like TikTok or, or new things coming through or, or even with trends um, coming through with clothing or, or fashion or streetwear um, music as well I, I think designers they, they tend to keep on topic fairly like quite a lot I don't, I don't to be honest I don't really know about maybe senior designers in studios that have owned, owned studios for a long time but I feel like we're quite a quite progressive lot excited we sort of try and keep up with the trends and try and keep up with latest stuff in in, in yeah, I do agree. Yeah, designers are quite good at that, at keeping themselves informed, researching, etc. But um, it's just so good to, yeah, so going back to your original question, so junior people, it's all about just being really keen for the opportunity. Like, that's the number one thing. Yeah. And rather than, I think there's been some criticisms that some juniors um, might be like, well, what are you going to offer me? What are you going to give me? And then you've got seniors going, whoa, hang on a minute. When we were in your shoes, it was the other way around. We were happy to put in the graft and the hard work. And then after a while, you establish yourself. And then you can be a bit more like, so what are you going to give me? You know, what are you going to give me when you're interviewing at that level? So, but to be fair, most juniors I've met aren't actually like that. But just talking about the perception that some people might have. No, I think I do think it goes through um, uh, through your mind when you're going for an interview. Or what can I get out of this job? Or, but I guess that's why you go for that job, or why you want to be, be interviewed in the first place, because you know you're going to what you want to you want that job because you're going to you're going to like it, or you're going to do good work there because you've seen the work they've already done. 
and, and hopefully it'll be the similar work that you do. So if you go for the interview, then you, you, know, you should get something out of it if you get the job. Yeah, exactly. And you're so right. When you do go for a job, you should be thinking, I want to join this agency because there's going to be something in it for me. Um, but almost when you're being interviewed, not actually being as upfront with the interviewer about it. Mm, yeah, yeah. You in saying because that's where some people do go wrong, and um, it's more like I'm going to learn a lot from this person. I'm going to put the work in and and bring loads of ideas, and then grow from this wrong. Yeah, I, so I, I remember when I was going to Arsenal, and it was um, it, it was a bit it was, it was a dream job situation, and it, and it really was. And that's what I said in the interview, and I can't really remember what I, I can't remember what I said in the interview, but I just remember vividly like he, he kept sort of saying it as my dream job sort of thing just it's almost like I was begging them to give me the job I'm not even sure if that's a good way of going around it I think I just got a bit sort of flustered and sort of spurted everything out and the way I ramble on sometimes I just I think yeah, I don't know have you got any interview tips is, is that a good thing to do to, to keep saying it's a dream job well not keep saying it but like just say it's a dream job and to, if it is <laughs> okay rule number one <laughs> want to know you want to work for them Right. They want to know why you want to work for them. Interviews aren't really that that difficult. This is like bottom line stuff. So anyone's listening to this right now, all these cryptic questions, these cloak and dagger, you know, if you could be a plant, what plant would you be? Or what's your weakness? Or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, that's irrelevant. It's just them assessing how you think. But the main thing companies want to know is that you really want to work for them. That no one's going to hire someone if they think you're complacent, mm. won't work once hired. So that's the main thing. And um, also have things like salary quite clear in your mind from the start, because that will be something that will then come up if it gets to offer stage. Yeah. Um, so that's one top tip I'd give in regards to if they ask what salary you want just have that really firm in your mind because the offer that you get will be reflective of that in some way. And some people can say, oh, I want, you know, 20. And then when it comes to the offer, they're like, oh, hey, wait, I wanted 25. And then that can make it a bit challenging and a bit awkward and difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, massive, massive tip, do your research. But the amount of creators that don't, and then they'll just rock up to an interview and don't forget, like, this creative director or senior designer you've got interviewing you, they're giving up really important, precious time. Mm. And the best thing you can do is make them feel, A, you appreciate their time, and B, you've prepared for it, and then you'll, you'll just blow them away just by... And, and also, whilst half of the interview is all about you and the other half is all about them and how you can partner up with them, so you've got to keep relating yourself back to them all the time in the second half and allow time for questions as well at the end. Um, but those are like my top interview tips. That, that was always a tip I got is, is have a question to ask them. I, even my grandparents said that, like, you always have a question to ask them, try and make conversation at the end. Uh, what, are there any particular questions that you, you, you prep people with to, to ask the interviewer? Are there any standard ones? you know that's a really good question um maybe i just say look think of a project of theirs that you really like 
that you're excited about because they'll know that you're keen on that project and just ask some questions about it. So um, how did you work through this? Like concept stage like, yeah. team structure. If I was brought on board as a junior, um, how would I fit in with the team? Do you allow juniors to be that the, the brainstorm in the concept stage? Like, at what point would I be involved with the projects? Mm, that's really good. That's a really good, um, really good point. It's, it's, yeah, like even even then, you were saying you're releasing it back to um, back to you and how you can fit in with the team. That's that's a really good point. Uh, I think people find that valuable if they're listening along. Um, but yeah, the, how do you deal with the over, overwhelmment of getting an interview at a dream job place or, or like a, a place you really want to work at? Because it. Like I say, I, I, when I went over there and, and had that, you know, you're, you're at the stadium, you, you're having a chat with people that work in the club, and, and you, you're really big fans of what you want to do, what they do, and or even at the studio, you know, you, you're really a big fan of their work. How do you get stop yourself from being overwhelmed or nervous when you're going into the interview? So everyone expects nerves from juniors. That's normal. Um, it's good to practice. God, it's so nerve wracking. When I think about when I was a junior, oh my god, like. I'll never forget, I bought this, like, I looked, I remember interviewing, I cringe now, but this, like, suit from Debenhams and my mum's shoes and, like, I really just was poorly dressed for the whole thing and just ill-prepared and just shaking and just everyone was so intimidating. But don't forget, I remember that, which means that whoever's interviewing you will remember that as mm. well, that it is nerve-wracking and they will look at you and see themselves so nerves is okay, but that's where preparation helps with nerves. So if you know what you want to talk through, you've got some questions prepared, even if they can see you've prepared, that will make them warm to you as well, even if you stumble a little bit. And there's no harm just pausing taking a, and saying, I'm sorry, I'm nervous. Take a sip of water. Oh, the old water trick, right? Everybody <laughs> But for anyone that hasn't heard of the water trick, if they offer you water, always say yes, okay? And then that is your chance to pause. So if you're asked a question, you can clear your throat and, take, and say that's a good question, which gives your brain a chance to think the answer, take the <laughs> and then answer it. And um, that's fine. You've cleared your throat, you know, you're... When you're nervous, your mouth gets dry, so it's good to have water on hand anyway. Yeah. And it's just a way to slow things down. But I run through interview prep with people anyway, especially if I know the client quite well. And I can prepare them with the kind of questions that they might ask. But, yeah, preparation is the number one rule to help with nerves. Yeah, that's a good point. Have you ever walked out of an interview? Have you, has anyone of your clients ever walked out of an interview? No. no, even if it's been awful, I've just stuck with it and I've never known of a client storm out of an interview. I mean, people have abruptly ended interviews, like they've kind of shortened them and then said, okay, that's great. Um, I can normally tell when someone calls me if the interview's gone well by how long they've been in there. Ah, uh, yeah. How long's a good time, you reckon? Because I, I, I don't think that's that the golden time is an hour and a half that's that oh. sweet spot or an hour um when it's not good is 10 minutes because <laughs> that's like wow okay 10 minutes um but you can pretty much gauge quite quickly 
if someone's going to be right and you can gauge quite quickly if someone's if a company's going to be the right fit for you as well um and you know these senior senior people that are hiring you they're not gonna spend time that they don't have to with you and that's not me being harsh that's just the way of agency life they're they're busy people so if they've then given an hour and a half of their time to you that's because they're quite interested or if they just wrap it up in 10 minutes it's kind of like okay they've seen what they needed to see and then they'll move on yeah that's good that's good but the only reason I ask about walking out of interviews is because um, I did it once. So it was, it wasn't a design studio. It was a strange, strange place. They're playing sort of dance music as well. They clearly just had tons and tons of people there, and you could see the other candidates as well, which always put me off. Um, yeah. But there was like a waiting room, and they're playing sort of EDM music and quite loud. And the people in the reception area just like taking names, and just, they, they clearly had hundreds of people seeing that day, and just going through them rapidly, and it. It just it, it wasn't the right feeling, and um, I went in with this other girl, and uh, um, he sat down. Uh, she, he asked the, the interviewer, asked, um, oh, so, "So what's your name and what do you do?" I said, I said "My name. I'm, I'm a designer." And uh, I said, "Let's go on. This isn't going to be for me. This job." And just just got up and walked out because I just got a feeling. Um, I wonder. I just wondered how how many how many other people would do that. But uh, so I, I think it might have been also because I've been for a few. Been for a few other interviews that week as well, and it was. You, you, I think you could tell which ones went well and which ones you don't get the right feeling of. And um, and yeah, after, after yeah, I don't know. It, maybe after a while, you get an experience sort of a, a gut feeling. Yeah, I think so. And and sometimes you can tell when you're sat in reception, as you say, you're sat there. There's EDM music rolling out, um, and they were just taking names at reception. So if we'd even gone in there, you got a yeah. feeling for that company. Another top tip I'd give creators is don't judge a website uh, sorry don't judge a company by their website okay because you've got to see the the company and I sometimes when I say this to candidates I I sometimes wonder they think I'm just trying to shoe bar them and like crowbar them into a, an interview and that's not the case at all like you need to meet the agency because some of them have great sparkly websites but that's not representative exactly of their culture and yeah. it's about the creative director you meet and how you get on with them and so just go for the interviews and as I said don't turn it down because of something as big as like a website or something okay yeah that's, that's a really good point actually I hadn't thought of that and it, it, reminds, it makes me think actually what design studio websites are really like and having met them the, the owners and things like that I, actually it's quite feels like almost the opposite because sometimes they have a really slick smart website for the client facing stuff and then on the inside, they're just really fun, relaxed people, sort of, yeah. but in a professional way. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's just a good point. That sort of, it's, it's almost like uh, when you're LinkedIn or Facebook, it's just that different sort of personality. On the inside, it's it's more like Facebook, where you're a bit more relaxed and sort of personal. And on the, on the outside, it's like the website, it's more LinkedIn when it's professional. It's quite interesting. Um, actually, that's it. Have you got any LinkedIn tips? Do you, do you help people to get LinkedIn uh, or or what sort of, what sort of um, platforms do you, do you tell people to use the most for promotional stuff? Oh, for job searching. And yeah, well, yeah, and also just get themselves out there. Okay, the dots is awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, not enough people use the dots. Yeah. It's one of those where um, you can just set up all your projects and your profile and the asks uh, button is really powerful. So you can just go on there and ask some questions and some industry people will get back to you similar with LinkedIn actually, but it's for creatives. 
Um, and yeah, so the dots, you should get onto that. I'm very big on LinkedIn. I use it all the time. Um, some creators get jobs through Twitter. Now, Twitter is quite interesting because you can chime in on conversations with certain industry people. Um, I interviewed Becky McCohn-Banks from VaynerMedia, creative director over there, and she spoke a lot about like Twitter and using that in an intelligent way. And Charlotte Hughes and Danny Pallett from... Um, I interviewed them for industry leaders as well. They're really good. Any grads that are listening to this podcast, like you should definitely check out that talk. That talk about Young Creative Council and advice for junior talent. And so Charlotte and Danny got a job through Twitter. So that can that can be really, really helpful. I actually saw one junior on Twitter once and I, I, I went to go and help him, but he was being so aggressive on his Twitter that I just thought, oh my goodness, like I can't represent you because a big part of what I do is I um, make sure that the people that I put into agencies are, you know, good people, no egos. Um, also, I don't place people into toxic work environments. So I'm quite strict with the clients that I take on as well. And yeah, I think Twitter can sometimes say a lot about people and you need to be very mindful of things like your Twitter and your Instagram. Another top tip is, you know, employers, if you've got an open Instagram, just think that an employer might check you out um, and take a look at what you're showing. And maybe if you have all like, maybe two separate Instagrams might be quite helpful. One for your design work and another for all your selfies and your photos with your mates and maybe put that on private, you know? <laughs> Definitely put it on private, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, no one should be stalking you on Facebook. That is weird, you know, if an employer is <laughs> your face, which is, you know, a bit more private because all your family's on there, etc. Right, but right. like Instagram, which is very visual and a great platform to showcase your work, mm. Twitter, both very public. Just be mindful of your how you're representing yourself on those. Yeah, definitely. definitely. This is something that's come up on the podcast before. It's, it's your reputation is everything. And it's especially for young people who are trying to get hired. So, I mean, yeah, if you're complaining about, I've said it before, but if you're complaining about, you know, burning your eggs or, or like something silly as, as that on Twitter, and yeah, how, how are people going to take you seriously when you're trying to get a job? Um, you're just going to constantly moan about little things. And um, I don't know. I yeah, yeah. I think I think you should use social media in a in particular way um, if you're trying to use it professionally. It's my my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's definitely definitely a big talking point. It's definitely one that can not get you hired for things and or can let you down uh, your past on Twitter and things. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's just being mindful of that. Don't be si don't be silly. <laughs> just just yeah. think. Use your head. And um, yeah, basically. So coming into the industry, what was was a base salary you reckon? Because uh, you you've got the the guide on on your website, which I'll I'll link in the description anyway. Uh, but you, you, oh, you got a few guides on there. But the, the free one is also the the rates one, um, which is like a, a guide to, um, which guides to how much roughly you should, uh, the industry sort of standard of pay. So how how much is a young uh, young designer, a junior designer's first job? How much do you reckon they should be paid? Well, a, it's good that everyone should be paid. No free internships. Like trying to stamp those out because that's yeah. ridiculous. That means that the only people that can afford to do internship, well, that's basically it. They can afford to do it, and, and that's incredibly unfair. So a lot of companies will pay 
London living wage to start with. Some companies, I mean, I still don't think that's quite right, but some will for, for interns starting out. Um, if you get a permanent job offer, the salaries haven't really moved that much over the years, which is a real shame, but anywhere from like 18 to 20, really, um, starting salary. Agencies don't pay as much as in-house. In-house usually pay slightly more. Okay. Um, just, it's just general client side and, and how it is. And um, so, and then once you have two and a half years industry experience, then you can start to look at more 24, 25K. And then when you start to go into middleway, you've got 25 to 35K, depending. Again, this is more like agency salaries rather than in-house, which does pay a bit more. So in-house, the difference between in-house and agencies, agencies, design studios, agency, you, you work with different clients and things, but in-house is sort of one job like, like my job, I guess, like Arsenal, you, you're sitting there just doing Arsenal work all day, is it? Oh, you got the job at Arsenal? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to ask you that. <laughs> That's so good. Okay, so that did work, saying it's your, your dream job over and over again. Yeah, it did. Okay, great. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, um, do you know, I've, I've got a quick story about Arsenal, actually. I did work with them about five years ago, and I put a few people forward for the role. Um, I can't remember who was there, Nick at the time? I'm trying okay. to remember the last name off of my head. But, um, yeah, one of the guys I put forward, Arsenal, were his dream team. Like He was a massive supporter, and that's all he said in the interview as well, is how much he loved them. I don't know if I know it, Nick. Is it, so did he get the job, did he? No, he didn't. But you, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but sorry, what was your original question? Um, so in how, the difference between in-house and agencies. Uh, yeah. Uh, so what it is, is like in agencies, um, the, the, the positive to that is you get to work on a variety of like different projects and briefs and your portfolio has all that variety to it. So you're not necessarily pigeonholed. Um, I work a lot of graphics roles with architecture practices. I found myself a nice little niche in that area, actually, and it was great because none of the other recruiters were recruiting those types of roles for a while. Um, I almost feel like I shouldn't be revealing my secret. Yeah. <laughs> but, but no, um, so I've worked with like, all the top architecture practices in London, and um, they're quite good roles because it's nice, like print work, and you work with architecture, which a lot of creators really like. And, um, yeah, they tend to pay a bit more for, like, brand side because they know that um, the agencies might be slightly more attractive in regards to variety mm -hmm. than being just stuck on, like, one brand because sometimes it can be easier to go from agency side to in-house and where some creators can struggle is if they're in-house on a not very diverse mm -hmm. brand and then they're just Arsenal's different Arsenal's very creative and there's a real variety of what you do over there compared yeah. to but it's still Arsenal it's still like one it is still one team yeah but still there's I remember there being more variety to the role than some in-house roles like if you're mm, talking sure. yeah. a brand where they're just not willing to take any creative risks and or you, you're essentially a creative art worker because yeah the external agency will do like the big rebrand and then you'll get given all the assets and you'll just they'll be like oh can you churn this out and produce that yeah lines 
Yeah, that's a good point, actually. A lot of, I'm not sure how many. Uh, well, you'll be able to tell me. I'm, I'm not sure how many uh, young creators think about that, uh, like what an actual uh, an in-house job means, and how much creative creativity they actually will, will be able to use. Because, um, like I say, it's a lot. It is a lot of brand guidelines. It all, do you know? It all depends because um, I've even worked on roles for freelancers working on brand guidelines and corporate reports, and they've put their own flair in it somehow. They've managed to inject some creativity. Obviously, like a brand like Arsenal is going to be a bit tighter with their guidelines, I could imagine, and, and how you design things. But there will probably be more of a variety of work that you do from like the print mm. to digital staff and the app staff and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. It's quite varied and fresh. But it all depends on the company itself. But look at like... Um, if you worked for, for Google, uh, Google's a bit different, but say if you worked for Innocent, you know, back in the day when they were super creative and everyone wanted to work for them, mm. that was a fun brand. It looked great in your portfolio. They've, those designers have then gone on and done quite interesting things. Yeah, yeah, that, that was always the big sort of number one company everyone wants to work for. Yeah. <laughs> Innocent suits, little bubble hats on the, on the top of the bottles. That's a that, great idea. That was it was the um those hats on those bottles was brilliant it's genius and then they obviously got bought by coca-cola yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that's that's a good that's a good distinction because uh it's a good one to think about when you think about going for a job or, or think about getting employed um but one, one thing i've noticed uh, and people have been messaging obviously Listening to the podcast, it's saying that younger designers as well. Um, people, a lot of people have been messaging saying, you know, we could just come out of university. It's tricky now because now it's coronavirus and all the stuff that's happening in the world. How do I get a job? It seems like less agencies are hiring. Uh, is that still is that true? Is it that less agencies are hiring, or, or what's what's going on in the industry right now? Yeah, less agencies are hiring. Um, but when I left university, it wasn't long after the last recession. I've had industry leaders that I've spoken to that left uni when it was the last recession. And I asked Mark Fleming from Rosie Lee, what's it like for juniors for it being tough? He said, it's always tough. The industry's always been tough. Um, it's, and you need to have perseverance and resilience to get into it. Everyone has to do their time where they do internships. I would say to any juniors, just keep creating uh, the most interesting juniors at the moment are ones that are um, either upskilling by learning different software or they're collaborating with other creators, they're working on like side hustles. Um, in this time, people are going to be asking, so what were you doing the year of COVID? Were you on, you know, universal credits at home, watching those Netflix, feeling sorry for yourself? Or were you doing a bit of that, but also managing to find, um, you know, create something of note to show? And um, yeah. reach out to so many creators. You can go to talks at the moment that you would never have been able to go to. I've, like, seen and gone along to different talks and been looped into Zoom calls of meetings that I'd never have been invited to before all of this. So there's an opportunity in everything. And, and also in a time of crisis comes the greatest innovation as well. Like Shakespeare wrote King Lear, I believe. 
in the last what like the plague or something i saw like a plague uh, like a, not the plague but in the last um like pandemic years and years and years ago so you can create things in this time still yeah and there's been a lot of good response to it i think from from creators i think um it's, yeah i think it's an amazing time for for, for creators right now it's, it's so much in the news and things to react on as well if you're if you're that way inclined if you're wanting to to reaction pieces and i'm seeing a lot of it on instagram a lot of really good stuff um i mean it went, when when black lives matter the movement as well that a lot of stuff happened around then and sort of amazing artwork came out of it some really powerful powerful pieces as well um so yeah it's been it's been it's been an interesting one um but uh so, so there's, it's encouraging they're still it's still hard as always but it's it's a good time is this still a good time to get into the industry or like what's <laughs> what's the words of encouragement you're the thing is are you out of the industry just because someone's not brought you into their agency and they're paying you no you're not you still you can still be a part of the industry you can still be creating and tackling issues that are going on in the world and creating work putting that in your portfolio um you're only out of the industry if, if you're saying you're out of the industry oh yeah yeah, it's true. It's almost like a validation, isn't it, of someone to saying that you're in, you're in, you're, you're an agency, you're in the industry. <laughs> it's almost yeah. that sort of, that want of validation, yeah. I it just doesn't exist. Well, just while you ask that question, but yeah, like, you choose if you still want to be in it or not by your contribution. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, we've got, well, we've got a need for validation, I think, with Instagram and all these things going on and social media. I think we always want to be uh, someone patting us on the back or someone saying you're doing well. I think there's always a need for that as, as a person. I think there's a human need for validation, but obviously apps like uh, we saw with Social Dilemma, the, the Netflix documentary sort of film, there's a, that's one of the things they play on is, is, um, is that validation. Is, is social media apps are created to surge for that validation and that's why I keep you on the app. Yeah, anyway, that's a tangent, but um, yeah. So, so we, I heard I was I watched a YouTube video the other day, and they were saying uh, about moving away from jobs, moved like two or three years in a row. You can actually earn more money by doing that as well, rather than staying at a company. Because if you're staying at a company three, four, five, six years, and you carry carry on at that one company, you'll probably get um, a pay rise of ten percent or whatever after a couple of years from reward for loyalty, or get a, a new job within the within the company. But if you do that, but also take a sideways step uh, to another company, you, you're more likely to um, have your baseline uh, salary raised. So you, you're not going from, I don't know, 22,000 to 25 because you're becoming a middleweight designer in the same company. You might go from 22 to 27 or 28 in another company uh, at the same sort of middleweight level. So, it, it, yeah, that's what I, I don't know. I saw that on a YouTube video, but how does that relate back to the, uh, the creative industry? Is that, is that something that's reflected in our industry as well? Yeah, it's very true. I wouldn't try it right now. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> right. got to don't go anywhere. Okay. At this moment in time, that's what I say to everyone that reaches out to me that's in a job. I'm like, stay in that job for now. But once the market picks up again, um, it's a very good way to increase your basic salary 100%. Um, I've done it myself over the years. I was at a company for gosh um so this is a quick story actually for any junior that's going for a wobbly time at the moment 
and it relates to this question. So when I left uni, I worked for a company called Adram. I absolutely loved it there. I was so, so happy. Um, and they let all their resources or juniors, they made us redundant because they just couldn't afford to keep us. So then I then went on to an accountancy recruitment company. I absolutely hated it so much, but I knew I wanted to be a creative recruiter again. And then I just thought, okay, I'll become the top junior consultant. So this job was awful. I had to wear suits. My boss had a go at me because I wasn't wearing heels in meetings. I mean, it was just so not the best environment. And um, so, yeah, I worked my way up. And then that day, I won a bottle of wine for being the top junior consultant, almost like the universe went, OK, that's enough. And I got approached <laughs> by a creative agency that went, we'll have you. And they took me out and they placed me in Adrim. I found a job with Adrim's competitor. And then I started doing quite well there. And my old company, Adrim, found out about that and they offered me a job. And I said, maybe but you have to pay a recruitment fee to have me back so then my brother that was a wreck to wreck then placed me at my company that may be redundant and then we went to india and backpacked on that money wow and then i worked my way i worked so hard for adram i got to the point where i wanted a pay rise my bosses said if you hit this target you're going to pay rise and i went above and beyond it I was one of the top consultants and then they gave me a 1k pay rise. So then I was like, okay, it's a bit of an insult. Um, and then I then started looking elsewhere and then I got an 8k pay rise from a competitor. Wow. So I left and then my old bosses at Adrum said, we know you can have potential to set up your own business. So they invested in me to set up a company. So then I set up Nurture Creatives. In the first 14 months, paid back all investment, turned over a profit, decided I didn't want investment, and then left that business and then started Nikki Dark Creative. So it's a very long-winded way of saying, any juniors that are listening to this, don't be disheartened because it's embarrassing to admit, but when Adrian let me go, I, I called my mum, I cried, I was heartbroken, and I said, I would have worked there for free. But if you just, just keep going, mm. like, know where you want to go, don't let the market affect you because it's always tough um, or feel hard done by, keep creating, keep persevering. Because then um, in 2015, I was interviewed by Computer Art. So I joined the industry when it was dead and I was meeting loads of amazing people. There weren't lots of jobs. And I was saying the first line of that um, interview is saying, the creative industry is so buoyant right now, graphic designers can ask whatever salary they want within reason. So there's an ebb and flow that happens with the market. Recessions happen all the time. And um, the only thing constant in life is change. So I want anyone that's listening to this now to, to know that. And it's, it is the truth. I've experienced it myself, which is why when, you know, the pandemic hit, I just thought, okay, I've experienced a downturn in the market before. I know what I need to do. Just grit your teeth and just keep going and keep pushing through and know that it will change. And if you have kept working, then you'll be the first that will feel that momentum move upwards and you'll have an advantage above everybody else because you'll have more work in your portfolio mm -hmm. and everyone's hiring, you'll be in a much stronger position uh, for different offers that come through. 
That's a really good. That's a really good, like, nice, nice summary of of our uh, right now <laughs> and uh, encouragement. So I appreciate that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, that's good. I think uh, it's it's interesting as you said that. I'm trying to think of people that message me and sort of they're going through similar situations uh, and uh, tricky tricky times and you know, people that can't get jobs um, and or can't get that first job. So I'll, I'll clip this up and send it to them. But uh, I'm sure it'll be good. I'm sure I'm sure they'll get there, and it's exciting. Or create a side hustle. Make yourself your first job. Yeah, yeah, and it, this is we're seeing this a lot as well with. Uh, well, I mean, this podcast as well. This has come up from from uh, from nothing, and now we've got Yakub and Millie, who Millie's just graduated uni, and Yakub who's in a studio right now. Um, they're doing this on the side as well. You know, we're trying to do this on the side, and I think uh, it's definitely helped me get the job uh, and help them sort of boost themselves and talk to more creatives. So, and even like you say, set up your own your own little studio name or your own uh, your own Instagram. And, uh, and collaborate with people has been it's been huge for me as well. So yeah, agreed. Agreed, it can definitely help you. Yeah, exactly. And surround yourself with people that you're inspired by. That you know, like that energy is aligned with yours because then you can just big each other up all the time. You know, one person will have a flat day, one person will have a better day, and you can just support mm-hmm. each other. Like a strong support network is really important. And also anyone that's listening and there are senior creators I know that are out of work and you are good. It's the market that's rubbish. You know, it's, I don't want anyone doubting themselves that they're not good enough. It's just the market's just challenging and yeah, just keep creating, listen to podcasts like this and tune in on all the talks. There's loads of great content out there at the moment that you can learn from. So just do that really. And wait for it to all blow over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, head to the Winchester and wait for it all to blow over. Um, okay. that, that's probably one of my favourite quotes from a film. That, I don't know if you've seen uh, Shaun of the Dead. Have you seen yeah, Shaun? I love yeah. Shaun of the Dead. It's a, it's a great film. I love the mum in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, when people come to you to, uh, and ask about careers and what they're going to do, do they ever think about sort of 15 years ahead? Do they ever think about career planning? and? How 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 far do you, do you recommend people planning their career? Oh gosh, like yeah, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? Like you have to think ahead. Um, depending what you want as well, you've almost got to be a bit um, philosophical with yourself. Okay, uh, it's and it is important. What are you driven by? Money, uh, creativity. You know, do you want to look back on a career of great projects they're not always going to be the ones that are going to pay the most as well you know if you work with more like charities and altruistic and grassroots startups they're not going to pay the same way as a big corporate will Mm. you have to decide like so I've got my CV and my portfolio guides and a lot of that is about you know do do your research find out the right home for you and you plan your attack on where you want to go and where you want to end up and you do have to be strategic. Like the amount of creators I've come across that have, say, been in-house at a brand for five years, you know, just chugging along. And they're like, I want to work for the top branding agencies. And I'm like, that's not impossible. But you're competing with designers that have done their time 
doing internships at the top branding agencies and they followed all the natural steps of what you do when you earn your stripes to then get those jobs in those branding agencies. Whereas if you've then just landed a job in-house somewhere that's not very uh, as, as creative and then you've just stuck in that for five years and then you're looking at the, the big creative branding agencies you want to work for, that's going to be hard. Right. I always say to people, it's all about your portfolio. You know, that being said, 99.9% uh, .9 of the time, employers will look at your portfolio before your CV. That is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And then I'll look at your CV. So you can get away with it if you have self-initiated projects. But again, this is all in my guides when it's talking about like your voice and putting your voice into your um, portfolios. And yeah, that generally helps steer the course of where you end up. But you need to know where you want to go first and work that out. Do you, do you ever get anyone uh, that has like, uh, like it all planned out? <laughs> mm, some people do. Some people are like, I want to be a creative director of my own or an owner of my own agency one day. And this is where I know I need to work and how I'm going to get there. Um, I think nowadays, if you study design in some way, there's been less people applying, obviously, because the fees have gone up, etc. So people do have more of a, not everyone, of course, most people don't really know or have it all figured out. And that's part of the journey is, is discovering it, etc. Um, but I'm thinking of working on something, actually, which is a bit of a guidebook for people to become a future industry leader of my industry leaders talks. And I've just been oh, nice. videos and interviewing everyone and almost I've been trying to I've been collecting all the information and all the observations I've been making about what makes someone a leader in our industry. Yeah, yeah. How you can get there. Yeah, that's similar to, to what, because because it's doing 200 episodes of the podcast, you sort of pick up on things, um, similar similarities between guests and people that have, you know, roughly where people are on, on a ladder of creativity in the industry. You see the, the top of the, the higher people that everyone considers higher up I don't want to say they're better designers. Everyone considers they're higher up by um, the industry, and you sort of yeah, you can pinpoint sort of certain things. So that'd be really interesting if you if you put something together that you could you could give or sell or whatever. What have you pinpointed? <laughs> put you on the spot. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, just just the way people speak as well. It's it probably the biggest one. Um, there's a lot more. A lot more confidence uh, in in people that have been there and, and seem to have done all of it. it say okay, so for people, for, exa for example, the people that I'm uh, probably I consider quite high up in the industry. Uh, they are high up in the industry. Is the guys at um, Dixon Baxi, the guys who um, I mean, for me, that's probably my favourite London design studio right now. That's probably probably some of the best work that's coming out of London, I think, um, or, or the UK, and they've won tons of awards and all sorts. But speaking to those guys, they're so, um, so so real and confident, and and they feel like they, when you speak to them, you get this aura of oh, they know what they're doing. They they get it. They they've seen everything, sort of thing. They've seen the bad things with clients. They've had horrible mistakes, but they've experienced it. So there's there's definitely a um, a confidence that comes with with experience, which is, is natural, I guess. But um, but yeah, I, I think it's that and. and openness as well that's one thing that I've picked up on the, the better creators I think are more open they, they 
uh, they're willing to listen, I think, as well. Um, when I say they're more open, they're, they're open to taking things in and, and people's opinions and um, the, the world, I guess. Because when I was speaking to, speaking to Dixon Baxi, they were very, maybe it's just them, but they were very, um, yeah, they were very willing to listen to me. And I'm just sort of, I don't know, I'm just a young, young designer. I don't know, I'm not, I'm not anything. And it, it's good that someone so uh, high up in the industry can be willing to listen to someone much younger, like you were saying earlier on, they're, they're wanting the, the information of the younger designers because they're the fresh things. They're the things that are coming into the industry with potentially fresh ideas. So being willing to um, being willing to, to listen and potentially find out new information from anyone um, and not being sort of stuck up. Because I think that's the people that, uh, from what I've seen, is the people that aren't at the top anymore or, you know, they've, been, they've had their experience but not at the top. It's the ones that have become comfortable and, and not, they're not fresh and not keep, keeping doing new stuff. So I think the ones that are, that's my I think that's my biggest thing is the ones that are doing well they're the ones that are constantly evolving and learning and hiring new people and, and getting the latest stuff um, information and yeah yeah is that a good answer I don't know yeah it's a good answer it's like that whole like well known like Darwinian phrase it's not the strongest species that survives but the ones most adaptable to change and yeah, that's this, it this well put. I should have said that. <laughs> And this time is all about adapting openness uh, and being quite agile and fluid as well. Because if you're not, then and you're rigid and you're set in your ways, you will get left behind. You really will. And that's why I'm, again, speaking back to like diversity and, and the importance of having diverse voices in our industry because if you if you're not, then you're irrelevant, and you're going to get left behind, as well. And I think what with what's happened at the moment with you know Black Lives Matter, etc. Good, you know, we needed this this wake up call. We really did, and it's a shame it's almost come too late. But now everyone's been the attention's been captured in the industry, and it's all about making sure that people honour the pledges what they've committed to um, yeah. and I'm definitely there to remind them <laughs> yeah this is it though this is it because that that um that event uh, around George Floyd definitely um uh, definitely sparked a realization for me and I've talked about it on the podcast before but um since then we I'm, I'm proud to say that we've been a lot more diverse um uh, and obviously brought on two two uh, new new guests as well. Uh, sorry, guest uh, two new hosts as well. Um, since then, so it's it's great um, that that it sparked that that reaction. But obviously, a horrific event. But um, so so have you seen that in the industry? Is that because it's sort of like a little a moment like that happens and then it sort of fades off and people tend to forget about it? Is it? Do you think this one is stayed around? Do you think this reaction stayed around? It's not going to be forgotten. Um, so what I'm sensing in the industry is at this moment in time, a lot of businesses are just trying to stay afloat. Right. You know, work has dried up. Um, things have slowed down. And a lot of clients, unfortunately, are making more redundancies and hires and sorting out like furlough, etc. So it's almost like, you know, the pyramid of the hierarchy of needs. And like right at the bottom, you have like, shelter and food and your basic needs and right at the top you have like self-actualization what i'm seeing at the moment is like everyone's 
hate to use the word woke, but like from this experience of the pause button being pressed, we've had a chance to reflect as individuals, yeah. as a planet, you know, got global warming, etc. Like every life matters and we're really discussing that. Um, but then the bottom of the pyramid is people struggling with, oh my God, can I get a job? Can I pay my bills? So how can you focus on that top level stuff if, if the bottom level stuff is really uncertain? So I think that once that's sorted and established and the industry starts to improve a bit more, then hopefully um, business owners will then be able to take more action in regards to diverse hiring and really thinking about this. Mm. I hope so. I hope I hope so. So yeah, we'll see, I guess. <laughs> We'll see when it does happen and uh, the industry does stabilise a bit. But um, I know we, we've just about to hit an hour, so I really appreciate this. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, and we didn't really get to the guide sort of stuff. I mean, we covered uh, a fair bit about getting your first job, but I'd love to chat maybe if you, if you wanted to know a podcast about portfolio and um, cover letter and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so any, anyone that's listening, make sure you grab the guys because I've done them at a discount at the moment because of the fact that loads of people are needing them and we've got lockdown, you know, people keep calling 2.0 and like <laughs> just to help people that want to really get stuck into their CVs and portfolios. The testimonials I've had have been the best from juniors because yeah. a lot of people don't even know, God, where do I begin? So there's it's all very descriptive. I've had free writers work on them with me. Um, to make sure that loads of text has been sliced out, so only the most appropriate contents in there. And we've got some examples right at the back of the guides as well. So you can see like an industry-leading CV and portfolio. So um, I'll give you a, a link, Mark, and then you can just put that in with the, the podcast and stuff. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put it in the description. Um, yeah, that's great. Appreciate it. Uh, I, I would, I would do like the last couple of questions, but I feel like we, we, if you are you willing to do a part two of events at some point, would that be okay with you? Would I be willing to do what? Sorry, a part two, like a, a second podcast. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I mean, yeah, that's. that's so, I also feel like because Millie and Yakub aren't, aren't on this podcast tonight, they're both working, working hard tonight. But um, so yeah, I'd love them to chat with you as well because we're all coming from different points of view. We're all at different. Um, different starts in the industry. Uh, so, so obviously Millie is working on her own business, doing really well with that. She's just taking on someone else as well. And so we're all sort of 22 um, young, young designers and Yakub's in an agency and I'm uh, a football club. So it's all sort of different starts. And it'd be great to chat and, and get their points of view as well. Um, so we'll, we'll do the last couple of questions on, those, on that podcast if that's right with you. But yeah, uh, yeah. brilliant. Where can, where can people find you and uh, check you out and say hello to you? So... I mostly spend my time on LinkedIn. Instagram's a big one, so um, I put all my content on Instagram, basically. Right. So Nikki Lyle Creative, and um, I use Twitter a bit, but not that much. I found Twitter quite difficult to start with because I've mainly lived on LinkedIn for years. I must start like an elephant with like pots and pans on their feet, and you like do a tweet, and you're like, oh, is that really awkward in the land of Twitter? <laughs> so it feels way more critical in that people go on there and throw chairs at each other so I don't really feel like as comfortable on Twitter as I do on Instagram and, and LinkedIn yeah yeah so, so, so what is your Instagram sorry um so it's Nikki Lyle Creative 
and then yeah feel free to just add me on linkedin and yeah between linkedin and instagram is where i put all my industry updates I'm, I'm over on the dots as well you can check out some projects so i set up a side hustle called the good gang which is all about uh companies that have been created for the greater good so yeah loads of stuff going on i run uh with a few others post quarantine which is letters to write to your future self at the end of lockdown so yeah. loads of stuff for people to check out i don't know i have to check them out that sounds good can you just go quick like what is that that sounds really exciting yeah post quarantine is because um i i lost a good friend of mine when we went first first week of lockdown because she'd suffered with her mental health and then the isolation lockdown made her more isolated so she took her own life and, and off the back of the grief of that i was thinking i was out for a run and i was like what can i do or what can i create to help people that are feeling isolated so I thought of things like Post Secret, where, have you heard of Post Secret? No. Where people reveal like a secret and then they just send it anonymously and they're all in this book. It's great. But, um, so Post Quarantine is all about writing a letter to your future self. So this is when we were like in the depths of the first lockdown where we didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, people were, the R rate was going up, people were dying everywhere, it was really scary. So the idea is you write a letter to future you and you'll be reunited with it um, at a gallery party where we're just, I imagine this gallery with loads of like letters all on the walls and then maybe having a scene where you go into a back room and you're reunited with your letter and you get to read it and we record reactions, etc. So it was a hope project. It was, you will be out in the world one day and you can read what you want to say to your future self. Wow, that's lovely. Yeah, that's really nice. I'll leave a link. Uh, you have to send me all these links. Cause yeah, <laughs> I can't I'll them all over to you. That's great. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for doing the podcast. It's been great. Great. Thanks for asking me. And uh, yeah, I hope everyone found that useful. Definitely would have done. Yeah, that's been such actionable advice, uh, such tangible stuff. So yeah, I appreciate it. I'm sure we'll get some good messages. I'll, um, I'll send them over to you if, if we do get some. Um, but yeah, brilliant. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you. Take care, Mark. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.